Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty. My name's Tim and I'm your host. On this episode, I sit down with Nicola, head of e-commerce and digital at Lightbox Jewelry, and we touch on the differences between London and LA, the state of D to C, and her go-to food spot after the lockdown ends. Like with all my podcasts right now, they're being recorded on Zoom, so the fidelity isn't quite where I want it, but you get it. Before I get into it, a quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the growth marketing platform used by more than 30,000 e-commerce brands. In uncertain times, supporting your local community and fostering relationships by being open and empathetic is a strategy that will be appreciated and remembered far beyond today. One of the best channels to deliver these communications is, and always will be, email. Email marketing is one of Clavio's foundational offerings and... When you leverage personalization driven by a customer insight, you will create memorable marketing moments that cultivate lifelong relationships. Clavio truly understands how challenging it is for each and every business right now. Clavio is here to help brands communicate, engage, and foster relationships now, and when all of this is just a distant memory. So go and visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. That's K-L-A-V-I-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Nicola, welcome to the podcast. Um, how are you and where are you? <laughs> how am I? I am okay, um, is the honest answer. I wouldn't say I'm good. I wouldn't say I'm bad. These are really weird times that we're in, but I am okay and I'm very fortunate um, to be working from my home uh, in North London, currently in my bedroom where I have my little desk set up in front of my windows so I can get a little bit of sunlight. Oh, very nice. And we will get on to maybe some um, some work from home tips in a little bit. But before that, I'm I'm keen to explore a little bit of your journey. So you're currently head of e-commerce and digital at Lightbox Jewelry. So maybe you could just give me a little bit of insight into the brand. What's the mission? I mean, maybe where you're at right now, but I probably could assume some of those things. So yeah, maybe a bit of an understanding of of, of the brand and how you fit into it. Okay, great. Um, well, Lightbox Jewelry is a new brand, I would say. Um, we, uh, even though sometimes we feel like we've been around for a while, um, we are a lab-grown diamond jewelry brand, and uh, we launched in the middle of 2018. So um, we are in some ways startup and we're always moving, but we're part of a wider group and we're very fortunate to have a lot of um, infrastructure that we can lean on in terms of things like finance and legal. Um, so we're a very, very well supported startup. Um, but I think one of the things that, that's most exciting about Lightbox and what I would love people to take away is how we're trying to take an educational stance in the market. Um, the way we price our products um, is, is unlike how any other lab-grown diamond suppliers are pricing their stones. And what we've tried to do is not only educate people about the category. You know, this is a really exciting technology that you can grow diamonds in a lab. And it's not necessarily a new technology. It's been around since the 60s, if not earlier. But the technology to create gemstone quality um, Stones is really improving, is improving, excuse me, and has come a long way uh, since that initial technology came into play. Um, and we're really just trying to get the message out there about what lab-grown diamonds are, why we charge what we do for them, and where they can fit into consumers' lives. Um, so it is really interesting. I didn't really know very much about diamonds at all until I started this job. Um, so it's also been an education for me, which I've really enjoyed. Um, 
to answer your question about what our mission is, it's kind of tied in with what I just said. We are really trying to educate people about the category. Um, and we're also trying to, you know, shed light on our pricing strategy because it's unlike how any other brands and suppliers are working right now. Mm. And where we are right now, <laughs> you, yeah, I'm assuming we're referring maybe, to- Maybe, because we're going to get onto some the, 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 the rather large pandemic elephant in the room later on. Okay, so good. Maybe so before, were, yeah. yeah, where were you at the start of the year, you know, kind of like what, what, what had you done, what, what had you achieved in the kind of, like you said, relatively short space of time given the, the sort of the, the, the market, but also, you know, what, what was on the horizon, I suppose? Well, where we were at the start of the year is in a place of still trying to raise our brand awareness. You know, we are a new brand and it is really important that we continue to work hard on reaching consumers. You know, we want to grow our community. We want more people to find out about us. And that was, that is, and was still one of our priorities. Um, and it's actually something that we're continuing to work on now, even in the current kind of state of things. Um, we don't necessarily have the brand equity that some of the larger um, jewelry brands who've been in the market for 10, 15, 20 years plus would have. So we can't lose sight of the fact that we are still a new player on the block and um, we need to try and, and grow awareness of our brand while also being in a category that's still growing. Um, but I guess you know, we're still doing that, as I said, but I think what we're focusing on now is, you know, rather than running a ton of media to grow our brand awareness, um, we're being a lot more careful with what we're putting out into the market, we're focusing more on our organic channels at the moment. So thinking about how we communicate with our email community, how we communicate with our organic social community. Um, I don't think now is the time, and I think a lot of brands are also in this boat. I don't think now is the time to be incredibly aggressive with media um, because it just doesn't feel right. And I don't think it would sit right. Yeah. And I, 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 you um, know, look, I think consumers are pretty savvy anyway, but right yeah. now I think you've got a savviness plus some of the other statistics I'm hearing across the market and other brands is the engagement rate is incredibly high because everyone's at home. <laughs> and I imagine, yeah. you know, like the, 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 the session times and just people, the open rate for emails, I saw a statistic the other day was incredible. So I think you've got that people there with time. And if a brand was to be quite aggressive, I think it would be, it would be very, very obvious. And uh, Yeah, I, I think it would, it wouldn't sit well, you know, um, and yeah, I think, yeah, it, I mean, it's a really fine line, right? Like how does a brand kind of like maintain business continuity whilst also, um, facilitating their current customers, you know, when things like supply chains have been really disrupted and, but also trying to, you know, acquire new business, but do it <laughs> subtly and, and, and not so aggressively. I mean, I think it's a, it's a very interesting time to be a direct consumer brand. It is. I think, you know, you're absolutely right. We, you know, it is a very fine line and it, we're almost taking a daily view to how we run some of these things. Um, typically we send out a couple or a few newsletters a week and some weeks we don't send one. if We don't feel we have anything relevant to say or appropriate to say. And then other weeks we might say a bit more and the same is, you know, for social media and some of our other channels, we don't necessarily want to Put ourselves out there just for the sake of making some noise. I think it's incredibly important that we, 
you know, are monitoring how our customers are reacting. What are people doing on the site? How are people engaging with us and where? And, you know, I really mean we are taking a daily view of, you know, what are we going to post on Instagram today? And actually, mm, is that the right post for today? Maybe not. Let's wait until tomorrow. Um, and we're actually being incredibly reactive to what's going on. And I think we're not the only business that's operating that way right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people are forced into that position. That's an interesting point though, in terms of, and, and obviously nothing too sensitive, but in terms of strategy, what has your planning gone from more long-term to very, very short-term at the moment? I would say we're focusing more on the short term right now because that's what feels right. But I think for me personally, like I am just an optimist and one day we will get through this. <laughs> we will. And this will be behind us and businesses will carry on. I mean, our economy eventually is going to need, going to, need to be stimulated again. So, um, you know, whilst we don't necessarily see an end in sight right now. It will be there. And we as Lightbox are not losing sight of our longer term goals of raising brand awareness and also delivering a bit of education about ourselves and about the category. So I think we'll always maintain those goals. It might just be um, that we're kind of chopping and changing what we do on a daily basis now, but we know that we're not always going to be operating in this way. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I mean, I, I definitely empathize with brands or, or, or anyone who's trying to navigate this kind of current landscape because you, you can get very sucked into the day-to-day and the here and the now. But the mm. reality is there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's difficult to, to understand exactly where that is, but you do need to have a lens of both long and short term. Yeah. Um, I'm keen to go back to you a little bit. So that was really good insight. Okay. But um, LA was once home, but now it's London. So... <laughs> Talk me through that. What do you miss most about LA and what could you not live without in London? Oh, man. Okay. Um, this, this is such a difficult question because people are always like, why would you leave? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Um, so what do I miss the most about LA? I mean, this is so cliche, but the sunshine. I think I really, really, as someone who was born and raised in Southern California, had the beach at my fingertips and an avocado tree in my backyard, um, I really took for granted um, that kind of coastal sunshine living and the fact that it hardly ever rained, which isn't necessarily a good thing. <laughs> um, obviously, with things like droughts and forests. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's there's a flip side to the sunshine, exactly, but I think exactly. I never really realized um, how important vitamin D was, or vitamin D rather, uh, in, in my lifestyle until I realized I didn't have it every day. So I think I definitely miss the sunshine. And I miss like, proper Mexican food. Um, I just, Dude, that is the number one thing I think. Yeah, I'm Honestly, it's what, I've not found what you any, grow up with anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like it is, and there is good Mexican food in London. I mean, it's taken me a long time to find it, but it's, it's never going to taste the same because it's not from like your own backyard. Yeah. I think there is something to be said about your kind of creature comforts, you know, what you grew up with. Of course it goes without saying, I miss my friends and my family, but it's, it's the little, um, you know, the way something tasted or the way something smelled or the way something made you feel when you were maybe 17 um, that you wish you could bottle and take with you wherever you yeah. were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I should have caveat that with saying, of That's course, fine. friends and family would be the, yeah, the first thing. This is kind <laughs> of if my mom's more, listening, yeah. so, so that she knows yeah, I exactly. I'm sure yeah. she's, a, she's an avid listener of the podcast. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> okay, know. so let's 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 switch it then. So say if you were to 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 move back, or say if you not necessarily moved back home to LA, but you moved to another place, what would you miss most about London? 
What would I miss most about London? I think this almost seems like a contradiction to what I just said about what I missed about LA, but I definitely find that I'm one of those people that in the winter here, I get kind of down and I really miss the sun and everyone is tired and it's dark and everyone's a little bit cranky. And I do find myself thinking, why do I live here? <laughs> and, there's just, and then there's just that moment when all of a sudden there's a whiff of spring. Yep. Whether the daffodil or the crocuses are coming up or there's that little bit of sunshine. And I swear something happened. It's like when people start doing the, like the wave at a sports game and it starts, <laughs> it just cascades around the entire stadium. Something kicks off in London and then it lasts for months. The, the city just is buzzing. People are smiling. They walk a little bit taller. And if I could bottle that, that like enthusiasm and that joy that, that all of a sudden people are like, spring is coming. <laughs> um, I think, the, you know, I appreciate that so much more now because there are seasons and I grew up without seasons. So I think there is something to be said about, you know, when people first get their shorts out. And, and I love, there are certain things I love about London. I love when the pubs are heaving on a Friday afternoon and there's yeah. people pouring out into the street. People are in the parks. Everyone is smiling. Everyone is polite. They open doors for each other. They say hello and thank you. There's just this like sense of camaraderie that you just... I don't know. It just sucks me back in every year. And then I think about how much I love it here and I could, and I would, how much I would miss that if I was gone. Yeah. yeah it's a really, can, I, can you bottle that and take it with you? I don't well, know. Well, it's, it's so interesting. So I'm from Adelaide in Australia, which the climate would not be that dissimilar to LA. It's kind of like yeah. nice all year round. And, and that's one of yeah. the things that I do find uh, so magical about a place where you've got the slight dichotomy of the the winter versus like a clear distinct winter well four seasons but you know in the winter it's dreary and it's it is kind of depressing but then when the spring comes and i try and explain this to my my australian friends and they're like what the hell are you talking about mate it's yeah. like well, you know it's like that all year round here and maybe it is and i just you know because you get so used to your own environment you kind of forget what the the, the, the grass was like on, on the other side but i totally hear you and I, I agree like if you could just right now was the time i was out cycling yes. yesterday and i just felt so invigorated the trees were green and it was sunny and you can smell those beautiful springtime smells and yeah, it was for a moment there was, it was like COVID didn't exist. And yeah, um, maybe that's a business. Maybe we should be setting up a, a separate podcast, to talk about how you can bottle that feeling. <laughs> or <laughs> so, maybe like a candle line that smells like London in the spring. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I, I suppose, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit before, but we may as well bring it back to, 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 to what's going on at the moment. So how is your COVID experience? You, you mentioned that it was, it, it's been not too bad for you, but how are you staying sane? And, and what does a typical day look like right now? Well, um, I probably don't have a typical day, but I think I have typical parts of my day. Um, let's put it that way. Sometimes I go out and exercise. Other times I cannot be bothered. So I do not. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, that, that kind of answers your question of how am I staying sane? Um, I think I'm just being very open and trying to be in tune with how I'm feeling on the day. Um, I read a really good article over the weekend um, on Refinery29 about um, the kind of pursuit of productivity and how some people are really like there's a backlash against feeling bored. Um, mm. Actually, boredom right now is a bit of a luxury because so many people, I mean, the, 
the general consensus across the globe is survival, right? And, and taking yeah. care of each other um, and ourselves. And I think I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself around learning how to play an instrument or reading a ton of books or, <laughs> you know, because I just, I mean, I work, I'm working full time. I'm a mom, you know, those things haven't changed <laughs> um, in the midst of lockdown. And so I'm trying not to put pressure around myself around like, you know, did I clean today? No, but I might tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just kind of, you know, keeping a pulse on things like that. And, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more reactive, like I kind of spoke to in the work sense, but also in a personal sense, like, what do I need today? Um, what do I need to do today? And what is going to help me get through today? And it might be a run, it might be eating three chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> watching TV or it might be taking a nap. So, you know, I, I think I'm just kind of listening to myself um, as much as I can right now to try and yeah. keep. And that's difficult, right? I think like even like before, to some degree, I think things unfortunately haven't changed that much, right? Before any of this stuff, there were so many things out there that we're kind of um, uh, t told to, to, to hold on to that make us better people. And if we don't, we have to self-flagellate with that thing. Right. So if it's, you know, learning more or doing this and, and it feels like that, yeah, there, there's more of that now, like, yeah, well, you know, here's the top five tips to be productive when you're at home all day long. And, and it, and it feels like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen loads of, of, of literature that sort of is kind of just saying, you don't need to do that. It's cool to just just be and let each day come. And I think one thing I have seen that's interesting is um, talking about this concept as not a sprint, but a marathon. And I've read yes. some interesting books from like, you know, these ultra marathon runners and their whole thing is, you know, if you're going to have to run whatever, a thousand miles, like you can't think a thousand miles, you break it down into chunks. And, and when things start to get tough, the, 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 the gains or the, the time just gets smaller and smaller. So you go, okay, I'm just going to get to that. I don't know that pole over there. <laughs> and if that's too difficult. You're like, I'm just going to get, you know, a few meters in front of me. That's it. And then if I can't do that, I can't yeah. even fathom that. It's just, it's just, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and that's it. And that's an achievement. And I think that sort of mentality feels like it could be useful in this situation given the the length you know and, and yes. the sort of I suppose um the uncertainty of it all yeah exactly I would agree I mean that that's not to say that you know for some people they thrive you know in in keeping incredibly busy and and multitasking and overachieving and I do have some days like that but I think I have other days where I'm like today I just can't <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. And it really you know is I mean? okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it just it, it just reinvigorates you for the days that when when you do feel the other other way, and exactly kind of need the yin and the yang, right? Like if you yeah. go 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 go, then where's the like the the, the downtime, you know? And exactly. I mean, no one's going on holiday right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. You know yeah, I mean? no, you're right. Um, so it, I, I'm keen to maybe touch on some of the maybe broader landscape but you could you could um, you could link it back to lightbox but you know before this like the direct consumer market was was in a bit of a precarious position you know we've had a lot of big companies um kind of darlings of the direct consumer world you know make some uh 
well, I don't know, not necessarily not great decisions, but they've, you know, they've gone for an IPO and it hasn't done very well. We've had some brands totally disappear. Um, but direct consumer as a model, which is an interesting one right now, because it's the only way to get to people really. Um, but what do you think is going to happen post the crisis? Like it feels like there might be a bit of a, a clearing out of the swamp a little bit and we're going to go into an, into a potentially new dawn. Do you think that that's true or how would you see it? Hmm, that's a thinking of your swamp analogy. Now I can't <laughs> the swamp. Um, Maybe I the swamp's too negative. I, would, I just, uh, you know, like it's it, a bit it, hardcore. It, it, yeah, yeah. that's a bit hardcore. Let, let's say like uh, it, it's just uh, it, it, there's going to be a bit of a, a, a new era or is there not? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it we'll, we'll kind of revert back? Yeah, I think so. I, I'll speak to that for a second. I think, you know, the kind of the wave of, of DTC, I think, has both positive and negative impacts um, on the market. I think in some ways what's made it so exciting and this does link back to Lightbox is the fact that you can have an open dialogue with customers. You know, you can speak directly to people, you know, on the phone or email or Zoom or social or, you know, what have it, what have you. And um, that's really nice. And I think also there's been a real kind of shift in consumer behavior. And I don't think it's been an immediate shift. I, I think it's something that's been coming for definitely at least 15 to 20 years. But, you know, since now, now I'm going to show my age, but you know, since the, the internet became such a norm in all of our lives, people can now go and seek information. Whereas before, typically information had to be fed to people. You know, mm. the fact that we spend and spend so much of our time searching for things online means that, means that, you know, that there's, there's, people are looking for information. They're looking for education. They're, do, you know, they're, they're price comparing, they're doing all of those kinds of things. And I think that's where a lot of DTC brands were able to swoop in and say, actually, you know, you can have a direct conversation with us. Um, you can get an experience from dealing directly with a brand that maybe you wouldn't necessarily get from, from a retailer. And, and I think maybe there was a little bit of overconfidence in that relationship model. Um, and perhaps what will change after this is not taking those, you know, consumer relationships for granted because, um, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of consumers, myself included, might necessarily, might not necessarily remain loyal to a brand that they feel was being insincere or they feel as being overly greedy, or they don't necessarily align with the values or the mission statement of. So, you know, the the, the term unicorn gets thrown around um, in the investment world a lot. And yep. I think, you know, it's just a, a precautionary tale, right? Um, it's fine if you're the market leader. It's great. It's a wonderful position to be in. And it's really exciting. And you learn a lot and you can share those learnings with other brands um, and other companies who are in a similar, similar place. But I think you know, the outcome is, is yeah, not, not taking that for granted, you know, just because you're riding high doesn't mean it's always going to be there. And I think it's important to just maintain, um, I'm trying to find the right word, but um, looking for insight and maintaining your, your community and finding out what people who are following your brand, what's important to them. And is there still, is there still that consistency there? It's, it's actually no different from an in-person relationship which is a really 
weird thing to say about a brand or a company, um, but there are brands that I feel incredibly close to, and they are an organization, not one person. But similarly to someone that you're friends with or someone you're in a romantic relationship with, those relationships takes work and you can't take them for granted. And every now and again, you need to check in to see, you know, this is what I want. Is this what you want? Are we yeah, both? Like a, yeah, so exactly. it's like a, yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what I mean? Like and, a, you, and you can't take it for granted because you could lose it at any moment. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, you know, slight sidestep, but most relationships, it's interestingly, I think, particularly romantic relationships, it's one of the, only, it's the most important relationship we have where we don't have like an official review. Like yeah. you have, do you know what I mean? Like you, you with yeah. your work relationships, you have official reviews. You go in every, whatever it is, do you know what I mean? And you like sit down and you assess your performance against the, the culture and against the, the things that you were, you were tasked with doing and you go, right, I'm on track and that's fantastic. And this is what we can do or, or, you know, maybe we're not on track and here's some ways in which we can like readjust it. And I think we don't do that with our kind of more personal relationships, but it, equally you're right with the brand. It's like, yeah, that's an interesting point. And, and particularly, maybe it's an interesting time to reevaluate and go, okay, are we both aligned here? You know, how are we moving forward from this? And that, that element of community that you talk about, I think is really interesting. I wonder, do you think this is going to open up some new, I don't know, like uh, engagement channels? For instance, I mean, Zoom, right? It's, it's, mm. it's just, you know, gone crazy and, 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 you know, everyone's comfortable with it. Like, you know, people that would, didn't know what it was all know what it is now. I wonder if brands are going to use stuff like that. Like they're going to do like a new product launch and they're going to set up a Zoom thing and we're going to all, you know, invite my VIP customers and we're all cool with that. Or, 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 you know, continue on of WhatsApp groups or like sort of, I suppose, super peer-to-peer engagement. Yeah, I think, I think some of those, some of those types of like, grassroots activities were already beginning um, or were already in flight, I guess, before all of this lockdown happened. You know, I've, I've know people who work at different types of brands and different retail partners and stuff. And, you know, you, it's kind of like the old school little black book for the person who used to work the shop floor, right? They had their VIP customers. And actually there are are a lot of really talented people who have kind of one-on-one relationships via WhatsApp or Instagram with customers, you know, and they save things for them or they kind of give them a sneak peek on things. But I think to your point about the the kind of Zoom takeover um, that's happening right now, I think it's normalizing it. Um, It's normalizing the fact that you can engage with people digitally. Um, And it may not necessarily be exactly the same as seeing someone in person, but given the fact that it's probably the best we've got right now, um, I think that is why a lot of companies are tapping into it and offering like, um, I think it was at Everlane I noticed are giving out Zoom appointments with um, with an in-house stylist just to maybe go through your wardrobe or yeah. some tips about fit um, and what size you might want to buy. And I think that makes sense, you know, um, for people who are looking for connection and are engaged with that brand, that's just a, an obvious place to go to speak to someone and ask questions and, you know, and, and to connect with them in a way that maybe you couldn't have before because you can't go into their stores. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? You're right. There was a lot of, I mean, there's been loads of that kind of grassroots um, stuff going on forever, but there seems to be a bit of an uptick recently because, yeah. you know, digital is so just, there's so much noise in there. So how do you cut through all of that? But I wonder, yeah, if right now, because of that normalization, you can imagine like literally a month ago, if a brand contacted you and said, hey, I'd love to do a Zoom call <laughs> to talk through <laughs> something, you'd probably go, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, uh, you know, I really respect you guys, but mm, that's like, but now yeah. it's like, it's just part of the vernacular. So yeah, it's, totally. I mean, I, I suppose like with any 
um, situation, whether good or bad, there's opportunity for kind of moving forward or learning or trying something different. And, you know, there's a good example. Um, so what, what, what do you think, I suppose, getting to, to specifically to like, the the retail landscape and, and bricks and mortar like off offline do, do do you think this is i don't know i kind of mentioned the the final nail in the the high street coffin maybe that's slightly that's too morbid but there was obviously there was a clear <laughs> shift right over the yes. last few years where that the, the high street really needed a, a reinvigoration and a reimagination of what it is and what was its purpose and how people were interacting with it and i think there has been in, in some cases some really interesting examples where they are starting to reimagine it but do you think this is going to accelerate that concept so i think i i've actually never believed that that bricks and mortar retail was dead or was going to die um the the reason being is that human beings are hardwired for connection um so it is just not possible <laughs> for human beings to go throughout life without experiencing some kind of connection with other people, which is why the Zoom kind of bonanza that's happening right now mm. um, it, it is happening. It's because people in isolation are looking for connection. And I think the other thing that was already starting to change in the in industry is, you know, I hate buzz phrases, but experiential retail and reimagine mm. what the brick and mortar experience is like, um, you know, just because you can have a Zoom appointment with a stylist doesn't mean that it replaces walking into a store where there's a familiar face and looking at something in person. You know, if, if I tie it back to Lightbox, um, we, we are lucky to partner with a couple of retailers in the US at the moment. And particularly for jewelry, you know, we can photograph it and we can retouch it and we can shoot 360s. But sometimes it just, you just can't beat seeing it in person and trying it on and seeing the sparkle. And, um, you know, to kind of link it back to the fact that human beings are social beings and, and, and we, need, we need to be able to connect with each other and experience other people. So I think that that mindset shift that was happening around retail is going to carry on after all of this. I think, you know, the, the phase that we're in right now is very digital first because that is the primary medium that we have to connect with each other right now. So it would make sense that it's going like crazy. Um, you know, I'm a consumer myself. I'm definitely shopping online at the moment because I, you know, I want something, I want a little pick me up from skinny dip or whatever, you know, yes. feeling tired or sad <laughs> nice or whatever it is there to another, we make website. Yeah, <laughs> who I try and support <laughs> as much as I can. But, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's also as a digital first brand, you know, it is so easy to shop online, you know, even, even with delayed shipments right now, eventually that's going to go back to normal. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're all spoiled because Amazon can send us something in a day if we yeah. order at the right time. Yeah. So that may not be what the landscape looks like right now, but I think eventually that's what we're, what we're going to go back to. And I think the role that online shopping has now for people is the transactional element of it. Like I said, it is so easy to just go online and buy something, choose when you want to have it delivered. Yep. You can buy a few things and return it if you're working. Return them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I think the, the in-person the in experience, the retail experience of walking into a store that feels on brand, that has staff who feel on brand, you know, people who are friendly, people who understand the product, um, you know, a place where you can try on the merchandise or, you know, take fun pictures of yourself, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. You can't recreate that online. So I don't think that's going to go away. I just think every, you know, we're just taking a break from in-person retail right now because it's not safe. Um, and the stores need 
to close and and it's really unfortunate but i feel like when they reopen there's almost going to be that that reinvigoration of of the previous mindset about why should somebody come into a store what's in it for a customer because they can just buy something online but why should they come into our store and you know looking at what else you can offer people you know added value and connection and experiences so yeah 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 totally and it's it's it's, it's interesting because as you were talking there i was thinking about the the kind of um the flipping on its head of like online offline retail like it used to be the barriers to entry for online was quite high it was expensive mm. there weren't many uh options um from a technological perspective now the technology is so good like you said it's very transactional even if you're a direct consumer brand and you really know who your customer is and you've got the the latest and greatest tech stack working and it's you know fully powered by ai so but that doesn't that doesn't um mean that the in yeah the in-store experience is still the bit that you cannot you cannot do that online even as you know as digitally as you can get it it's you humans still want that connection and i wonder it would be very interesting uh you know to to predict what the it's going to look like post this and i i'm one prediction i could imagine is like uh offline retail is going to see a huge jump because people are just going to want to want some human connection you know and 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 they will be like bursting at the seams to get back out and 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 feel that again but then it'd be interesting yeah post that like once that flurry of activity potentially subsides is like how is it reimagined as we go forward but yeah, even things that you talk about there, like just friendly staff and, and you yeah. know, like going into a store, there's, I personally, I actually find London a little bit, uh, it's not so great on that. I find in places like America, amazing, Australia, really good. Like whenever you go into a, a store, there the, the feels like there is a genuine connection in, in, in London, particularly, I, I find that maybe it's the places I'm shopping or whatever, but there doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Like it hasn't really got that. That, that deeper connection going on but anyway. i think it's coming i think it's coming i think it, it totally depends on where you shop right like i think it, it's unfair to uh to place that um expectation on sort of certain retailers like they are big so how can you, yeah. you by by virtue of being big you're going to have people on on the shop floor that are, are not there they don't love the brand they're there because they want to you know they're, they're there because they've got another passion whereas if you're in a small boutique type store you might be, you know, dealing with someone that's really, really into the brand or maybe even someone that's part of the brand. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very different experience. But you, you touched on um, one brand, so Everlane. Are there yes. any else that are grabbing your attention right now, maybe for better or, or for worse? So I think uh, I'll, I'll say the worst bit first. I'm, I'm not going to name any names. Um, no, no, no. We can, it's, it's totally anonymous. Yeah. It's more about yeah. the, the not gonna, Yeah, I won't name any names, but I think I, I have noticed that I've unsubscribed from some newsletters um, in the past few weeks. And I think the the thing that's not sitting right with me is anything that feels like it's creating a false sense of urgency around shopping a promotion. Um, because look, I know that there's a lot of financial difficulty happening across a number of businesses right now. I am not immune to that. And I completely understand that there's a lot of promotional activity right now. There's a lot of discounting right now because cash flow, particularly for small businesses, is not easy. Um, but the part that I don't like is creating that, the, you know, I think one brand in particular sent me like an email every day saying, last 48 hours, last 24 hours. And mm. I'm 
actually, your product is not essential and, and I like it and I've bought it before. In fact, I've bought it several times before, but I think it just felt a little bit tone deaf because how do they know that I'm not having a really bad time right now or that I'm not, maybe I'm not well or someone in my household is. Yeah, totally. And yeah. it just it's felt a little like bit. Friday, Cyber Monday type. Yeah, vibe. it just felt a yeah. little bit insensitive. And it, so yeah. I just want to be clear, like it was the style of the messaging that I felt that was insensitive, not the promotional activity itself because I'm a merchant and I totally get it. Um, so I have, you know, I have unsubscribed from a few because I was like, it's just too much and I can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. And on the flip side, um, I actually, uh, it's Reformation in, in the States. They've sent now two emails, one this week, uh, one last week and the one week before, where it's literally just a recap of good news of mm, nice. with Very them good. or their brand or their product. They've just been like, would you like to see some good news? Here are some nice things that are happening across the world, like a panda at a zoo and something else. <laughs> it's just a little bit of a, a reminder. I think I really wasn't expecting to see that kind of um, comms coming from a clothing brand, I would expect it from like Refinery29 or Buzz. Yeah, more of an editorial style brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was like, oh, well, thanks for that, actually. And I forwarded it to a few people. So I was like, A, I opened it and B, I engaged with it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it obviously stood out because I'm telling you about it now. So. Exactly. I was just about to say oh, that. I was like, this is perfect. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, these things are in your head anyway. And, and whether someone would have asked you the question would have been maybe whether they come out, but the fact that yeah. they remain as, as a, um, as an event in your brain is very, very interesting. And it, yeah. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in each of the strategy meetings of those brands to see yeah. what the, the differences were in the people and why they felt that way and why they made those decisions. It's very interesting. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm going to kind of start to, to, to bring it to a close and I've, I've kind of got a, 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 a final question. Uh, and this is, um, you kind of touched on it before, so maybe it'll be food related, but what are you craving most? Uh, what have you been craving most during the lockdown and what's your first destination <sighs> food, travel, whatever, once the public door has been opened. Right. So definitely going to have to go with food and can I include alcohol with food? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Consumption, of, consumption any, of any time. Yeah. Um, I, I am just desperate for some Mexican food. I want to go out and I want to have a pitcher of margaritas and a bunch of tacos and lots of guac and maybe a quesadilla. I want like a Mexican smorgasbord. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, I just can't, I don't know. This is the great American institution of brunch and things like that. But I just want to go out for a big meal with all of my friends and my loved ones. And I want to drink a lot of margaritas and I want to eat a lot. That sounds like a lovely idea. Now, okay. So is this, is this, is this hypothetical situation in London or is this in Mexico? Are we going? That, that, that well, I mean, I, yeah. I would love to go to Mexico, but um, <laughs> I think I could. There, there are some, there are some pretty, pretty decent um, taco places that have popped up in in London in the past few years. So I, I can think of a few. Okay, um, well, so we'll settle for London then. I'll settle for London for now, um, but I think the the kind of that's you know, that's second prize, but first prize is, um, I, I do want to go home at some point this year. I was intending to go to LA in August. Um, and I hope I can still do that because I want to go home. <laughs> home, home. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And I, and I hope you get um, there and I, and I trust you will, and I'm sure yeah. <laughs> we'll be back to some sort of normality very soon. Nicola, thank you so much for joining me. That was fantastic. That's all right. Talk to you soon. 
big thank you to Nicola for joining me. And if you want to check out Lightbox, head over to lightboxjewelry.com. That's the American spelling, J-E-W-E-L-R-Y.com. Before I go, shout out to my sponsor for this episode, Clavio, the growth marketing platform used by more than 30,000 e-commerce brands. You can find them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, share it, like it, download it, review it, pop your head over your back fence and tell your neighbors they will love it. I will see you next time. Taking notes to the don't lie.